Welcome to the A&P Podcast. I am Paul Ragsdale. This is Angie D'Alba. We are A&P Productions. So we are doing a podcast. Uh, some of you may know us uh, from our film work. Um, for those who don't know us, we're give a little bit of a background on uh, who we are and why we're doing this. Uh, we are a film production duo. We're a filmmaking team. And we're also a couple. So mm. Angie is... Uh, we're engaged and she's the love of my life and we also make movies together. Aww. Um, just a little intro to who we are. Um, but also this podcast is going to be about um, our filmmaking adventures, um, our experiences, and just all around just about film and filmmaking and love of film. So we'll talk about movies that we like and movies we've made in the past and any projects, any projects that we're currently working on or have coming up. Yeah, we hope to be helpful and to any aspiring independent filmmakers maybe some of our experiences or um, some of the stories we share might be you know come in handy for someone out there um if not if you're not an aspiring filmmaker you're just curious about how our projects are made hopefully you'll find our experiences entertaining at least yeah and for those who are fans you know fans of our uh, past films like streets of vengeance or cinco de mayo um you know this would be a way for you to get to know us a little bit better uh, you know, you see us on Instagram and Facebook and stuff, but we hardly ever talk really about ourselves that much. We always talk about the film itself or about our filmmaking crew. Yeah, actually, I'm always surprised when people have questions for us because we spend so much time talking about our projects and answering questions about the films we make that when people ask us questions about ourselves, I'm always like, oh, yeah, I forgot. You don't you don't really know. Yeah, some people don't even know who we are. They don't even know anything about us. So, yeah. so this is the opportunity just to... So this first episode, we're just going to talk about ourselves a little bit and our, our background. Yeah. Um, the thing is, what brings us together, or what makes our film our film stand out, is because we both come from different places. We're, we're two individuals who have... Very different unique, backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, very unique backgrounds. And I think that's what constitutes our, our film, what, what constitutes the, the, the impact or the quality of our films, I think. Yeah, I think if you know us both... Personally, when you watch our films, you you can tell that it's a blend of, of both of our personalities, both of our style. I think that's what makes our films a little bit different. Yeah, and so just to touch on it briefly, um, we'll just start with our upbringing. Uh, I, we are both children of the 80s. I yeah. was brought up on horror movies, uh, monster movies from the 40s, and of course, slasher movies of the 80s zombie movies and i was watching these things uh, with my brother at a very young age uh, introduced to these uh horror films renting tapes from the rental places and i got to watch uh, r-rated movies and gory movies and anything i wanted to watch on on tv um with pretty much no restriction <laughs> now my upbringing is pretty much the exact opposite yeah how was yours like uh the only thing i have in common I with you that you just said is that I also rented movies from the video rental place. However, my videos that I got to watch were all very monitored by my mom. Uh, she was very selective in what I could and could not watch. So um, I was very much brought up on Disney and happy-go-lucky, positive, child-friendly stuff. Um, horror movies were an absolute no Never going to happen. Don't even think about it. I wasn't even allowed to watch The Simpsons because... Oh, my God. <laughs> How could you not watch The Simpsons? I, 
I wanted to, but in my mom's opinion, they, they gave way too much attitude and she yeah. didn't want us. Bart was a bad influence. <laughs> she didn't want me and my brother to um, have any bad influence from she didn't those want you guys to talk back, right? bratty kids that talked back. <laughs> yeah. She didn't want us to grow up to be disrespectful and sassy. So so you didn't get to watch The Simpsons. You didn't get to watch Married no. Children. No, not at all. No. Actually, we didn't even have cable growing up. Um, just better safe that way, I guess. Same with us. Hey, we didn't have cable either not t- until a while. So it was always movies. Um, even like we would have relatives of ours record uh, movies for us um, off HBO or something. So that's how I saw a lot of uh, horror movies too. Um, recorded off of TV or going to rent it yeah um we went to the video store a lot to rent stuff so i watched a lot of movies growing up but they were all the typical um action uh, popular movies that everybody else grew up with you know like batman and ninja turtles and anything that that was popular goonies any spielberg type movie or george lucas movies of course we were you know we were watching those kind of things and um, so you were not watching uh, Night of the Demons? I don't even know what that is. Okay. Well, we'll have to... We'll start a new segment here <laughs> where I will be showing horror movies to Angie. Introducing know. horror movies to her for the first time. I've heard of, you know, every major scary movie. I've heard names and... T- like, I've heard Freddy, Jason. Okay, you know Freddy. That's good. I don't know what those movies are about. I mean, I, I could probably get the gist of it. But at this point, um, hearing it second or third hand from people growing up but sure my, my cousins you know they all were allowed to watch that stuff and they would be mimicking or saying lines from movies and i would have no idea what they were talking about you know they were quoting like it or mm-hmm. or chucky or yeah. whatever yeah freddie was everywhere so he was he was a popular culture well for a while yeah freddie it's funny because i didn't get to watch any of the movies but uh the video rental place had a huge cardboard cutout of him and That's I was awesome. so freaking freaked out <laughs> by that thing. And, oh, my God. The the I movies the, I wanted to get to were, like, buy it. Yeah. So I had to, like, cross buy it to, to get to what I wanted yeah, to look at. So my big my uh, moment of courage would be that I would walk, me and my brother would, I don't know, if, I don't want to speak for him, but I know for myself, I would walk up to the thing, like, with every little ounce of seven-year-old courage I had and, like, look at it and be like stupid freddy and like yeah, keep walking away as if i told now, him you better go through freddy first told him stupid freddy stupid freddy i think our rental place had a cut out cardboard cut out of michael myers which was uh, pretty cool michael myers in a small town of patterson so so yep yeah, so again back to you know art upbringing so we're both from small towns very in California. small town even smaller than the city we live in uh, now, which is Modesto. Um, I'm from a small town called Patterson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was raised in a smaller town called Newman. And my dad grew up in, in Newman. So I was familiar with Newman. I used to go to visit that town um, quite often as a kid to uh, visit my, my cousins that lived there. Uh, David and Michelle and Jessica, and there that was the house where I would watch a lot of horror films too. They, they introduced me to like Hellraiser and Night of the Demons and things like that. You so. know what's funny? Random fact: uh, Paul's cousins lived in the court right behind my house, so I grew up right behind them, and I did not know that. I That's didn't crazy. didn't we know Paul doing all kinds of crazy shit. Right I knew his cousins. House. I know. I I went to school with your cousins. I mean, they're younger than me, yeah. so they were like my brothers' grades, but I never. Um, 
met Paul. I didn't meet him until college. So, right. So my dad came from the the hometown, uh, Angie's hometown, um, and we didn't meet each other until years later. At MJC, we went to uh, Modesto Junior College, and uh, both took film class, and that's how we met. Right. Well, you went there purposefully. Right. I always wanted to be a filmmaker since you know thirteen or so because I would. Me and my brother would make uh, little horror movies on VHS or high eight camera uh, videotape uh, for ourselves and for our parents to watch and shit like that. Mostly for ourselves. <laughs> we didn't actually actually we didn't want our parents to watch the can things you, we did uh, because they us, were pretty pretty terrible. Can you give us a name of one of your famous films that you made? Uh, we made a film called A Few Days Before Halloween. So it's the life of Michael Myers before Halloween. He's getting drunk in the park <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> You know, it's before Halloween, so he's trying to Just counting sleep. down the days. Well, he's just trying to sleep in the park after drinking a 40 or something, and then <laughs> some kids fuck with him, so he has to, you know, murder them. And um, so who, we made that. We who played that Michael funny. Myers? Uh, my brother Matthew played Michael Myers, because um, our cousin David had a mask, and it was a, a legit mask. It was very, very good, very well made. And uh, he had, like, blue uh, jumpsuit, like a mechanic's jumpsuit. And we were just me and Matthew were just like, oh my god, this is our <laughs> dream. We want this is what we've always wanted, and it's in the hands of our cousin David. And unfortunately for David, he ended up playing a character in the movie without realizing that he wanted to be Michael Myers. And then he tried to f- scam us and say, okay, well Matthew can play Michael Myers at the beginning, but maybe like he gets older, so now I'm Michael Myers. <laughs> like he gets a little bit bigger. And we supposed to say, no, 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 no. So it had aging. Got to keep the... continuity. Right. It was, it was only a few days. Oh, you were already concerned with continuity. <laughs> yeah, not a few years before Halloween. So it's a few days. He tried to sell us on some <laughs> bullshit. And so we said, nope, you're you're David. You're, you're going to be the kid who Michael Myers is chasing. Matt got to be Michael Myers. And normally I would think I would be jealous of that. But I was so happy to be behind the camera. And I was so happy to be making this movie that Matthew was acting in front of it. It felt like, you know. A director was, was born. Exactly. And the camera had, like, you know, cool effects. Like, it had a fade. Oh, shit. Fades to black. Damn. Had, um, like, a negative. What year do you think this was? Oh, this was at least 96, I would say. <laughs> because Matthew was wearing a, um, a Mortal Kombat t-shirt. Oh, I think I've seen that Myers. photo. Yeah. I think I've seen that. Maybe I'll make that the cover of this, this episode. <laughs> so, it was 96 for sure. And... We had, but we had made movies before that. We had made uh, other little classics projects that will go unnamed. They're even, <laughs> they're like even worse. This was like a turning point for us because we were actually like put in time, and we had like funny jokes that we were trying well, to do, little gags and stuff. I will say that your sister did air you out when we were first together, and she was telling me about the movies that you guys made as kids, and she did reveal one of your guys' classic titles. Oh, which one's that? That would be the one and only shit wolf. <laughs> what I don't even know what that's about. I still have not seen that, but I'm dying to. Uh, that one was hard. Give it a watch. That one was hard. That one actually came after a few days for Halloween. What was so. shit wolf about? <laughs> uh, it's about like Matthews playing some scientist, and he creates like a werewolf, and uh, he's made out of shit. I don't know <laughs> he's why. Made out of shit. Yeah, but I mean, it was nothing like. That doesn't I even was, make I, sense. I was the werewolf. But there was nothing like shit, like they didn't put shit on me or nothing like that. There was nothing <laughs> they could allude to that he was made out of shit. I don't even know why we did that. They were just trying to be crude as possible, I guess. So I just oh had a werewolf mask. That was, you know, pretty pretty, pretty cool. 
and I had these werewolf gloves, and I wore like what you was know, your shirt? It was like a flannel shirt, you know, classic <laughs> Wolfman attire that you would see Lon Chaney wear, um, and in, in the old movies. Mm-hmm. And I had, the Wolfman was my favorite, so I liked playing that. Um, so yeah, I was a shit wolf. I don't know why it's a shit wolf. <laughs> they made sense at the time. Did you show like a scene where the wolf? Went out to, to relieve himself and like. No, he never took a, a shit, shit or anything like that. <laughs> or did he like ever eat a shit? There or? was no. So I mean, there's nothing shit. Nothing related. shit related, no. but it's just called shit. I don't know why. You could you could just call it the werewolf <laughs> or something like that. It didn't have to be shit. Like I said, I think we're just being crude and gross. There was nothing. It didn't pay off at all. Like no one said, "Oh wow, this guy, this wolf stinks" or something like like shit. You would think so. <laughs> And no, no, we didn't. We did not live up to the title. He was just um, wrecking havoc uh, hmm. around the neighborhood and killing people. But no, it never paid off. Interesting. We yeah. might have. To I should put go that back and a, remaster it. Yeah, I was gonna say we might have to put that as a special feature on one of our future things. Maybe I'll put it on the end of Slasherlet Party or something. Maybe little hidden gem for people. The shit wolf. Yeah. Well, I on. Um, on the other hand, was on the other side of town riding my bike with pom-poms on the handlebars. So, nothing as fancy as shit wolf. I think you learned how to ride a bike way before I did. <laughs> I, I didn't learn how to ride I a bike know. until I was like, I don't know, like 13 or something. <laughs> well, you were busy, you know, making your directorial debut. Yeah, I was too busy shooting the shit wolf. Shooting the shit wolf. Well, the schedule was, was pretty tight. <laughs> it was pretty demanding. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah priorities. <clears throat> Well, unfortunately, um, I don't have such a glamorous story. I did not uh, grow up wanting to be a filmmaker or anything really regarding films. I, of course, I loved movies. I loved watching movies, but and I was always curious about the making of movies. But there wasn't stuff back then um, that really showed too much about movie making, and I didn't have a camera or any kind of equipment like that. And so, you know, I wasn't really exposed to that kind of stuff. So. Uh, the thought of being anything in film didn't ever cross my mind. As a matter of fact, even taking a film class in college, it was a total fluke. Uh, basically, I didn't know what I wanted to do in college. I had been taking a lot of random classes that make no sense. And <laughs> film was one of them. So just by chance. It's just by chance. Um, I was always pretty much uh, interested in the arts. So I was taking a lot of different type of art stuff. Um, in college, so art history and theater, playwriting, you know, stuff like that. And film was one of those classes that I hadn't taken yet. And it was in the same building of, as my theater and playwriting class. And which, again, is super weird that I even took those classes because I've never acted before. I never wrote before. I didn't have a desire to write a play or be in theater. So I don't know what the hell I was doing there. But sure, whatever. Why not? Yeah, and Let's do it. I'm glad you did that. I we know. We never would have met. So I took a film class, and uh, I don't know if we'll get into the whole backstory of that, but let's um, just say Paul was already there. He was a, a lab aide, and I was just a student. I didn't know anything, like literally nothing. I couldn't even tell you how to turn on a camera. And I took several semesters of film, and once I left that place, I still didn't know how to turn on a camera. <laughs> Yeah, that whole MJC experience, uh, that's an episode on some. Oh, that's a whole other thing. We'll have to have some other former students. Yeah, if you ask me anything about film school or film class, 
I have very strong opinions about it. I think a lot of people ended up leaving that way, not really knowing. I think so. What to do. But those that, that really wanted to be there, like me, I was able to take advantage of that program. By becoming a lab aide, I had access to the, the equipment. Um, I could learn. I had access to the computers and edit, which I had never done before. Um, when I was making movies as a kid, there was either no editing at all, you know, just shooting and editing inside the camera, meeting, uh, shoot you talking, stop, turn around, shoot the other guy talking. Or I would do VCR to VCR editing like that, cutting. Uh, technology has come a long way. Yeah. So for me, <laughs> editing, that was the first time editing nonlinear, which is on the computer, basically. Um, so that was a eye-opening experience, to say the least. Because I was still doing like reel-to-reel, deck-to-deck back in uh, high school. I think a lot of people probably don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, they don't. But <laughs> fuck y'all, if y'all know what I'm talking about. Go look it up. Uh, yeah, now things have, have definitely changed. So, you know, we can fast forward from the film school. Um, you know, we got together in a relationship. And, you know, I stopped making films for a while. Just because I didn't have access to any equipment and yeah, you know, life we, stuff. Yeah, we had to take a pause to kind of like grow up a little bit yeah there's definitely a growing in the sense of like hiatus getting jobs and you know getting your own place to live yeah, and yeah moving out of our parents house exactly all that and so it wasn't until um 2010 when me and my brother had gone in and bought a camera together a canon uh xh a1 uh, which is still mini dv if you don't know that fuck you too you know what that means. <laughs> he's so aggressive uh, i'm just saying so <laughs> It's a mini DV camera, but it shot HD. So that was like, wow, this is, you know, this is the new shit. Good quality shit. And so I started off making, um, shooting videos for Matthew. Because I, I was, I still love to shoot. And shooting is um great pleasure for me. So I was doing videos for him. And then uh, me and Angie wanted to do something of our own. And we had some friends that, uh, from work. So yeah, by the way, we work regular jobs. Yeah. Uh, we work regular jobs, and we have been working in the same place since 2010. And Before that. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, like, when we started shooting and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's how we make our films. We, we work at, a, at an office, and we make our films on the weekends and nights. Mm-hmm. And so 2010, that was the beginning of, of everything. Um, started off meeting some friends. Actually, they were actor friends. Through my brother. My brother was using an actor. And then I went to go see. I went to go shoot on his set. Met him. Met another actress that he had done through a casting. And through her. She had a boyfriend who was also an actor. His name is Josh. Joshua Powell Fox. Eden Trevino. Met them. We had this little script. Or I should say. We wanted to make a short film. Called The Mexican Connection. It originally was going to be with a bunch of dudes from that we work with. Uh, things didn't work out. So we met Eden, Josh, and then Angie pulled some people, some other people from work. But this time it was uh, women. Mm-hmm. So we thought we would change the cast or change the, the movie, the characters, into females instead of, uh, yeah. instead of male characters. So I asked my friends. Um, actually, it's funny. They're both named Adriana. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Adriana and Adri, two different ladies, my friends. That's right. Shout out, Adriana, Adri. Brought right. them along. Yeah. So we brought them into this film called Next in Connection. Some of you may have seen it. It was really our big 
our first film together as A&P Productions. That's our first short film as this new production company. Um, and then since then, we have, I mean, the next step from there, we, we made a, a feature film called uh, Cinco de Mayo. We a never, by the way, though, we didn't intend for that. It didn't start out as a feature. No, it started off as a like a fake trailer. Yeah. Uh, we were uh, inspired uh, by Robert Rodriguez's uh, film Grindhouse. Um, and more specifically, the fake trailer that he did called uh, Machete, Machete. And we thought it was so funny. And we thought, oh, we should, you know, we may, we like, we, all right, I mean, we start over. We're Mexican, okay? So <laughs> We're Mexican. Yeah, we are. So we <laughs> always wanted to do films with reflecting our culture, okay? So the Mexican Connection, that's kind of the, the background of like um, Mexican movies, movies from Mexico from the 80s. They're really over the top. Very over the top action, action films, low budget, starring, usually starring uh, two brothers, the Almada brothers. Uh, Mario Almada, Fernando Almada, and they would action stars. And so we wanted to make our version of that. And then we knew, when we we're fans of Robert Rodriguez, saw his fake trailer Machete. And so we thought, oh, let's, you know, we should do a horror movie, like a holiday horror movie. And there's really only one holiday Mexican Halloween. holiday. Oh. Hell yeah. Mexican holiday. Yeah, Mexican Got holiday. It. No one really celebrates Mexican Independence Day. No really holiday we celebrate here, and not day to day, is Cinco de Mayo. So we thought, oh, that would be pretty cool if there was a, a short, a fake trailer for a slasher movie called Cinco de Mayo. And we thought, well, we should do this before Robert Rodriguez does it, of course. Basically, that was the whole inspiration. Yeah, We, and we of need course, to do this before Robert Rodriguez does exactly, it. Exactly. <laughs> that was the motivating factor. And we had saw a bunch of other trailers because I, I was a fan of 80s horror movies, and I would watch the trailers, too, and... And we were sitting around watching a fake, a uh, compilation of fake trailers. I distinctly remember it being Christmas time. Yeah, it was around Christmas time. Sp our cousin Spence, my cousin Spencer was here. I think his son was here too, Omar, was I want to say. I think so. I think he was hiding his eyes whenever like boobies or something like that showed up on the screen. <laughs> like, oh, Omar, look, look away, look away. <laughs> I don't remember that. So it was me, you, Spencer, Omar. I, I think Josh, Josh was, was there. Here. I think Josh was there too. Um, so that that is kind of what inspired our first feature film, Cinco de Mayo, and we can go into that into that later. Um, the whole experience of making that movie, um, but that's where we started, Mexican Connection, Cinco de Mayo, and then from there we went on to make um, a short film called Le Affair. So, if you've seen that movie, and if you've seen Cinco de Mayo, you probably are wondering where's what the connection? The hell? Yeah, what were you guys thinking? Yeah. It's not. It's, it's a little known scene, but it is out there on YouTube. Um, I guess getting a little back to our, our 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 influences. So, like I said, I grew up watching horror films and '80s movies. We both watched '80s movies, but I was, you know, more into horror. Uh, Angie was watching the blockbusters, you know, that we all watched, mm -hmm. The Goonies, uh, Indiana Jones, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yep. So we we back have to that. the future. Yeah, but. When I started going to film school, I became, um, for lack of a better word, a film snob. Yeah, there you go. I'll just say it for you. Yes. Snob. And, cinephile. Uh, a cinephile. And uh, I, I get to that, too, when we, when we have a discussion. <laughs> that's a whole with, other thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other thing. So in film school, I kind of disowned my, my upbringing, thinking it was not serious enough. I, you know, it wasn't something I could take serious to 
become a filmmaker. You know, I wanted to be Scorsese, you know. You're getting into your, like, artsy. Definitely. Well, I don't want to say pretentious because it is, it is true to you. But right. Yeah. Other I, people might perceive it as pretentious. Right. No, no. Because, like, it, it, it did mean a lot to me. It was not something I grew up with. But when I discovered film, the art of film, I, I definitely took to it and it inspired me. And it's something that I, I, I still, we still um, strive for. But in film school, I was definitely not uh, embracing my upbringing, for sure. That didn't happen until we made Cinco de Mayo. But between Cinco de Mayo and film school, I was learning about other film movements, uh, the French New Wave, the Italian New Wave, uh, the American uh, New Wave in the 70s. So I, I have a, a great love and appreciation for, for filmmaking and films. Other than just the, the movies I grew up on as a kid. That is an understatement, by the way. Right. So I love Italian New Wave cinema. The films of uh, Michelangelo Antioni. Uh, if you don't know who that is, fuck you. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> if you don't know who that is, please go look him up. He's a good filmmaker. Oh, my God. Everyone's going to hate Although I don't. Hate us. I am, I'm curious. I wonder. I don't know if people nowadays could watch any of Antione's films. It's a certain kind of person that would have the appreciation for Italian cinema. Well, anything, I think, subtitles. If you have subtitles on anything already, you're, you know, a lot of people are probably going to. You're already asking for trouble. A lot and of, it's fucking slow. A lot of His people. His movies are, are really slow. Not and nothing happens. Plus, they're, they're beautiful. They're black and white, mostly. Right, black and white yeah. films. Yeah, they're they're definitely. subtitled. They're from decades ago. Very old. So the pacing is very different. Um, the style is very different, and the the subject matter and the way the stories are told is very different from what American cinema, you know, what we're used to. Yeah, it does so not resemble American cinema. At it all. takes a certain kind of person to have an appreciation, and not only an appreciation, but to actually love that style and embrace it and just want more of it and just right and i think it's very important for a filmmaker to be aware of those films maybe you don't like them or don't understand them i don't think you have to understand them uh, intellectually i think for me it was all emotional uh they gave me an emotional response but i digress i'm not gonna go into much into that <laughs> uh so lay affair is it's our another episode yes it is so lay lay affair uh the affair after the affair is our little tribute to the films of Michelangelo and Antione. Um, so it's black and white, it's moody. It has a lot of uh, ennui. Do you know, does anyone know what ennui means? I definitely know now. We, yeah. Thanks to Paul. Yes, and we, I introduced ennui to, to many you a person. And any filmmaker, any actor that we've come across. Uh, ennui was a, a big component of the films of Antione. You know, it was a big uh, aspect of our film Le Affair. Uh, ennui, again, if you don't know what it is, uh, look it up. <laughs> I gotta tell people what ennui uh, is? Ennui is existential angst. Um, existential angst. Mm-hmm. Basically uh, being like a sad shit. Yeah, definitely being Basically. a sad shit. Very self-absorbed -ab and yes. sad. Yes. Uh, Absorbed in your own sadness. Definitely. And your Definitely sadness absorbed. is coming from who knows what. Yeah, you don't nothing, know. Nothing in particular. Just from existing. 
Right. I think it's mostly in America where we associate it with teenagers. How right. Teenagers are just moody and Teenage angst. full of angst mm-hmm. for no reason other than the fact that they're a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you're a teenager, you know, teenage angst, you have that. And when you're an adult, I think it's a different kind of angst. I think in America, we refer to it as like midlife crisis. Right. Or quarter life crisis. Or quarter li- now, quarter life crisis. Yeah, when you're 25. A lot of angst about life. Just contemplating. Exactly. All the different directions and paths you've taken or not taken. And what have you made of your life? Or what have you not made of your life? That's where the angst comes from. I'm starting to get sad. <laughs> so that's on we. Yes, that's on we. So you, you just demonstrated on we for you guys. There you go. So there's on we. So we made that and then we made a movie called Rough Cut, which is another feature film. That was our second feature film. Um, I shot it as well. Um, this film. Angie's talent really, you know, we should probably go into what we, what we, what we do for the films. What we do. So I'm the writer director. I'm the writer director. As well. Just kidding. (laughs) Well, I credit both of us because you are involved in the uh, process of writing and directing. I, I do write the whole thing. You look at it. Cross out all the shit that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Our process is basically Paul is the one that puts literal pen to paper. He's the thought machine, constantly thinking about ideas and potential future plans, characters, plot points. And he has a million notes all over the place. I'm finding them in his pockets and on the desk and in every single room. And I am more of a big picture person. So. Um, if he runs all his thoughts by me, I say, what, I like that because of this, or I don't know if that really makes sense, or why would that person do that, or why would they, and then we have a big discussion about it, and whatever comes out of our discussion is what he's like, okay, I'm going to go back and tweak a few things, and that's basically the right. process. Exactly. You bring, you grounded in reality. It's like, you take my stupid ideas and bring them, <laughs> like, how do we actually make this happen? It's like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't think about that. Um, so... Yeah, I guess you can say, if you wanted to pinpoint it, Angie's the producer. She makes things happen, but she also does the art direction. Uh, she also does the wardrobe. She also does the styling. And she also helps me when we're shooting. Like, uh, can you frame that out? Or that looks ugly. Can we shoot this way? <laughs> or how about we go to this location? So we are a true team. Yeah. Even though we do have our strengths and weaknesses, yeah. we back each other up. And wherever the other one is lacking. Um, so just for um, title's sake, um, I would be the writer-director, Angie be the producer and art director. But, you know, like I just said, we, we delve into most into all. all of it. Yeah. You know, so we, we have a hand in, in, in everything. Yeah. Um, so that's what we do. So on Rough Cut, um, By Angie the way, did... Up to this point, I have learned how to use a camera and edit and stuff. Yeah. So I do, yeah, she I do know, know how to do that stuff and she knows now. How to shoot. Yeah. It was something that she not, did not learn in film school. Ironically, yeah. I didn't learn it in film school, sadly, like you would expect. But anyways. Right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we'll get into That's a whole other thing. some other time. But <laughs> yeah. those adventures. Exactly. So, so, so we're a filmmaking team in the truest sense. Uh, and we do have our main duties. So Angie's main duty for Rough Cut uh, was wardrobe. And, and that locations. was the first film. Yeah, well, definitely locations. But wardrobe, that's where you really turned it up. And, and locations, too, because we were shooting in San Francisco. Yeah. So all the locations were from Angie, Baker Beach, 
the museum. Yeah, Legion of Honor. Right. I couldn't remember that. Legion of Honor. Um, any other place? Uh, the Palace of Fine Arts. Mm-hmm. That one, too. Um, yeah, just anywhere in San Francisco. And including Modesto as well. Uh, and then also, so I was trying. what I'm trying to say is that the wardrobe is really where we uh, stepped it up from our past films. Uh, we did pick out wardrobe for other other films, but um, Rough Cut, um, the main character played by Delana McKinney, she had many different costume changes, and they all had to reflect a certain style. Um, and this movie was done with a, a French New Wave uh, style in mind. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what that means, you know what that means. <laughs> um, please look up That's the, whole other episode. The, the films of the French Jean-Luc New Wave, Jean-Luc Godard, Francois Truffaut, Claude Chaprol, Jacques Rivette. Any of those guys. Start with those guys. Agnes Varda. Um, so it was the French New Wave uh, film. And we stepped it up with locations and, uh, and the wardrobe. Uh, so that was a big uh, step for us. Um, do you want to have anything to say about that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's like when people look at our films, that they know us more for our horror slasher type films. We're not really known for our French inspired or Italian inspired. I think sometimes when people stumble across photos or, or those films themselves, they're like, what the hell? This is not like Streets of Vengeance or Cinco de Mayo at all. No, but it was, uh, it does reflect uh, our tastes and our, and our, and our loves, um, artistic uh, loves, which happen to be, you know, there's a little references to Warhol in there, uh, references to John Luc Godard, Chorus, uh, Scorsese, um, even other uh, actual people like Paul Schrader and the Coen Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not their films, but them as people. Um, like I said, I, I I love film, so I also often study directors as well. Uh, so it's just jam packed with a bunch of film film references. Yeah, I and, think uh, that film is basically. If you are a film lover, uh, particularly of the players of the 70s, um, there's so many references in Rough Cut that that you would probably enjoy that a regular viewer wouldn't necessarily catch. But yeah, check it out if you if you like if you like films, you know, check it out on YouTube. There's a lot of nods, a lot of the stories in there, a lot of the characters are based off of real people in a funny, different way. Right. Oh yeah, it was so much fun shooting that film. And then we, after that, we made an, another feature film, really, really like almost back to back with Rough Cut. It's a very productive year. They kind of uh, overlapped. Yeah. Um, La Soledadera was the um, our third feature, uh, and that was a based off a script I had written, I had been writing for like ten years, um, ever since um, before we started making films again in 2010. During a hiatus, I was doing a lot of writing and reading. And I wanted to make a movie about a, um, a Mexican uh, female hero um, and also a love story that she, La Soledadera, what La Soledadera is, uh, it's a term from the Mexican Revolutionary days. It's basically the, the man, the soldier's uh, wife, woman, that goes with him either to take care of him when he's fighting or he comes back to either nurse him to health or make his food he's going to war going to yeah right in the mexican revolutionary war and sometimes these women would become soldiers themselves if their man was shot or if they had no way of getting out of a, a, a battle they would pick up the gun and start shooting and some of them would actually you would have women 
So that that is becomes a unit soldiers. and they would be soldiers and they would be an actual unit of soldiers and they would go on their own missions and they would blow up things with dynamite or hijack uh, railroad uh, trains and stuff. So they became the companion to the man, but then also they were their own independent um, unit, I guess you can say. And so that was a, an idea that really excited me. I thought that metaphor hadn't been made in a film like that. And so it was a very important film and um, still means a lot to us. Um, and that we shot with uh, Joshua Palafox and Arania Espinosa, who plays the, the title character, La Soledad. Um, and that was such a fun movie to make. And like I said, it meant meant a lot to me, meant a lot to us. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit based off us in a way, as far mm-hmm. as like the love story. There was a lot of um, real events in our lives that we put into that story. Definitely. Um, I remember telling Ronnie that, that, you know, this part in the movie... It resembles the moment I fell in love with Angie. And so that was important for her to hear, I think, for her character. And also just to, you know, create the bond between actor and director, I think. Yeah. I love that movie. It's still to this day, um, my family says that's their favorite film. And there's a few people that have messaged us about it or talked to us about it saying that that's their favorite of ours, which is funny because it's not a horror film. It's right. more of an action love story. Yeah, it's a, it's a Mexican rockabilly drug cartel love story um, with these two kids from the Central Valley. Uh, they're lovers on the run. And then there's conflicts with a, a brother, a dead father. And it's just, yeah, it's got all that kind of stuff. And it has like a Mexican spaghetti western kind of vibe to yeah, it too. I think it's beautiful. I love that movie. I really had a lot of fun shooting that. I'm really proud of that one. Very proud. And like I said, it was very personal. All the films are personal, but that one's very personal. That one's very personal. And um, took a long time in the making. And um, Which is funny because it didn't take very long to make. No, I was finally fed up with certain things going on and not happening um, in my life at that time. And I was like, I just want to make this movie. I'm having so much trouble with the script. I'm going to write a short, short, or I intended to write a very, very, very short version of it just so I can do it. And then I did, and I started adding some th- new things, new things that weren't in the original script from like, you know, 2008. Um, and so I like this version better. It seemed faster. It seemed more alive. Kind of resembles um, True Romance in a way and also yeah. Breathless with Richard Gere. Not the John Lucadar one, but I, I do love that one, obviously. But the, the Richard Gere version of um, Breathless, which I had shown Josh as well. And so it seemed faster. It seemed just cooler. And um, it, ha- it had a, even though the structure of the movie goes back and forth and jumps, it's nonlinear, it just seemed like it was more, um, it made more sense. It was more concise. And so I, we really love that one. Holds a special place in our heart. And then from there we did. Uh, probably our most well-known film uh, to date, uh, Streets of Vengeance. And that was our biggest film up until then. Uh, the first film we did, we did a Indiegogo camp crowdfunding campaign. That was mm-hmm. the first one I actually tried to get awareness, get people to to take notice of, of, of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the first time we... Get involved in the community. Were, I think it was the first time we were purposefully making something not only for ourselves, but right. but for a certain type of audience. Right. 
it was definitely for an audience and i went directly to that audience where that audience hangs out and congregates and i tested it out on them basically and they were intrigued by the idea and then when we did a promo shoot which is something we hadn't done before before shooting the movie which is part of the the plan with the indiegogo and everything the the fo- the promo photos that we shot with delana uh, mckinney who was the the lead of that movie they were getting well what we wanted the intent was drumming up a uh, buzz for the film and so i had people saying oh i can't wait to see this movie just based off the pictures that we were taking right and we had ideas for the the wardrobe and we had ideas for the hair and and angie really got into the wardrobe and the art direction and the aesthetic um again more so than the other films it was bigger it required more and so we were really creating a buzz with it before the movie was even shot trying to create um get part uh get involved with the community the horror community or the 80s community or whatever i guess they're both one and the same so that one was our first we were making our mark with that one because no one knew of cinco de mayo even though it had distribution through slasher video no one really knew that really or rough cut or los Oladera. but streets of vengeance is the one that you know really put us on the map so to speak mm-hmm. it was really fun to make it was crazy yeah it was um it was a, a learning experience for sure but it went so well and we made so many connections to that i mean we met ginger lynn allen through that movie who is now in our, our latest film that we're editing right now called Slash Let Party, for those who don't know. And Ginger Lynn is um, also in that movie, too. She has a much bigger role. But we met her through uh, Streets of Vengeance. Yeah. Well, it's funny. We wrote her her part in after we had started filming already, not knowing yeah. if she would even want to accept the role. Right. And we'll have a Streets of Vengeance episode for sure. Yeah. Uh, the whole making of. But, yeah, Streets of Vengeance was the one that got people uh, got their attention and we made a lot of our friends and fans through that one it was the first time we tried right because up until that point we had just been making movies for ourselves because ourselves and for we our, with our own money liked doing it it was fun and we had built a pretty strong bond with a lot of actors that are in our community and we all just looked at it as a, a way to exercise our creativity and um, just have fun and try to experiment with genres and style and basically continue to work on our our craft our skill try to get better because right. i mean everybody sucks when they first start so if you go back and watch our very first thing from 10 years ago <laughs> it's kind of funny yeah. compared to what we're doing now but i mean that's the point right yeah you could definitely see the evolution of amp uh, productions sorry for mexican connection all the way up until uh, our current film uh, slash what party um, with Streets of Vengeance, that was the first time um, working with uh, a cinematographer, uh, shooting with our, our friend, who's actually our friend from film school, uh, Dan Zampa. We, we met, we were all went to MJC together. Like I said, we'll talk more about that, um, work, meeting at MJC. So this is the first time um, him shooting one of our feature films. And it was a, a challenge for me to let go of shooting, but I knew I needed to because I there was so much more to take care of and pay attention yeah. to well up um, until that point it was literally just you and me right like, paul would hold the camera and i would hold the microphone and 
we would both try to just drive the actors places we would set up the stuff we would move lights and and sometimes you were acting you acted in the mexican connection and you also acted in cinco de mayo Ew. <laughs> but you were you were doing all the stuff <laughs> and acting yeah i did and so yeah it was more it was a two-man job a two-man production crew it still still is you know? it still is actually yeah pretty much i mean dan's the only person we've brought in to be like a cat a crew type right. person right and even up until we just recently had a shoot uh, for Slash Art Party, we had our big final major shoot uh, mm-hmm. with Ginger Lynn and Drew Marvick. We brought them into Modesto. And I, I was back uh, behind the camera. Again, and I was shooting. back on the microphone. Your microphone. So, yeah. It, wow. Full circle. Wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So it was it was like back in the old days of making Mexican Connections, uh, Secret of Mile, Rough Cut. I think people think we have a much bigger crew than we do. Right. It's only it's only Dan and us. Yeah. Sometimes we'll have, you know, Josh Palafox, he'll do audio for us. It's been a couple years. Daniel though. Moody, he did audio for us sometimes. Andrew Brown did audio on Slash Art Party, but most of the time it's you know, they're only filling in when they're not acting, you know. So it really is just us two and then having Dan uh, be the cinematographer. And he does the lighting, and you know I'll I'll help him do the lighting too. So, we're 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 doing everything. Yeah. But like I said, that was the our, our next big step. And then after um, Streets of Vengeance, we made a couple of short films. Uh, Devious, we shot that in Berkeley, a one day um, shoot. Uh, we did um, Nighttime Creatures, that was like a thirty minute short film. Um, we shot that. 2018, I want to say. I believe it was 2018. Man, I don't know. It's all blur. And we shot the fake trailer for Slash Alert Party. That is on the Streets of Vengeance Blu-ray. So throughout these 10 years, we've made quite a few films. Like I said, a lot lot of features. Um, Slash Alert Party is our fifth feature. Made a few short films, like around five or so. Um, so it's almost like a 10 year, and quite a few 10 fake films in, in 10 film. It's, right. Yeah. The, even the fake trailers count too. Um, so it's like 10 films, short 10 features uh, within 10 years. So that's a little overview of who we are and what we've been doing uh, these past 10 years since we started. And all the while um, working, working regular jobs. Yep. And in our future podcast, we will be detailing how we, how we do that, uh, how we manage that. Uh, mm-hmm. The experiences of doing that. And also, uh, the rest of our, our, our cast and crew, they all work regular jobs as well. Mm-hmm. Or go to school. And that is also a challenge when you're trying to schedule a shoot that has like 20 people in it. Yeah. Well, basically, independent filmmaking is is basically people living their regular lives. And then somewhere in in the hours of the day, they try to get together to make a film somehow. But it's all just regular people trying to get together. And uh, in a way, it's like a big potluck where one person brings their acting skills. Another person has a camera. Another person has, you know, experience with directing or writing. Maybe somebody wrote a script and everybody has their their strengths. And then, you know, he can bring it all together. I think the thing that makes Paul and I particularly maybe a little bit different from a lot of the film crews that we know is that it's just so much smaller so a lot of the people that we know that work together to make films that their their crew or writers or directors 
or camera people tends to be bigger. But for Paul and I, it's just man, it's all film shoot with like twelve crew people just standing yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, ours is. I think people are shocked when they come to set and they realize it's just you and me. They're right. like, "Oh, I thought it was going to be like a bunch of people standing around holding." Where's your first AD at? Holding uh, cords or holding something or. Where's your gaffer? I'm the gaffer. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at him. What are you talking about? You're the director and a director. Writer, so get in your spot. Gaffer. Get in your place. Food but delivery guy, editor. <laughs> yeah, we we pretty much do it all. We do um, it all. It's not because we're control freaks. It's no. It's because uh, necessity. It started out because we were the only people we could count on. You know, we have in the past tried to, you know, reach out to people and let them um, kind of help us. But oh, you, sure. you know, people move or people get get new jobs or people start school or people get married sometimes or, they just plain don't show up or people don't show up <laughs> like they say they're gonna show up but then they don't or they just they don't other things become priorities and i get that you know uh, a lot of the stuff we did in the very beginning you know it's all uh, for fun or we'll do do it for pizza we weren't like paying that's the nature of independent film but um just for whatever reason it was we just kept our crew quote-unquote super tight and it was kind of hard to rely on on extra people so keeping it as minimal as possible was pretty much our safety precaution so that we wouldn't have to worry about somebody canceling last minute and and then you know kind of messing up our plans right we never want to rely on someone too much where if they were gone and we couldn't do it ourselves exactly so we still operate that way even though if you quote-unquote want to call us like successful or more successful um we still that's still our motto we still keep things as tight as possible and we try to not to add a whole bunch of extra people if we don't have to because it just makes it easier for you know transporting and direction it's just one less thing basically to worry about so we're not that fancy so we don't have these humongous sets that require a ton of people to be around we don't have like explosions and Somebody watch yeah, we're still walkie-talkie this though. or watch that. No, I don't. We've never even used a walkie-talkie. So I don't even know why you would need one. Just yell. <laughs> so no, we're not as, we're not that fancy. I think that is one of the things people might be most surprised to, to find out about us is even though we're making something that might look a little bit fancy, uh, we're very yeah i think that down-to-earth approach can kind of cause some people to get the wrong impression um about what what we do and what's going on but uh you know that's that's for another another topic as well or another time i should say i'm not really sure what the impression is actually i i do think maybe people think that we have much more than we do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think the impression is sometimes that we are just here to have fun. Oh, yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I... I think they're surprised by how well it looks sometimes. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. You know. Well, we have a lot of fun on set. Fun. Yeah, I know that. Has, we make sure other people have fun. Yeah. We have fun, but we make sure everyone else is I mean, If it's not time. fun, what's the point? Right. I think people have good times and they yeah. think oh it's just all good times and oh ignore oh, our dogs. hold on got y'all y'all all right are they, people are still doing fireworks man we got people still doing fireworks in our neighborhood i don't know anyway 
Um, yeah, I think uh, people are surprised to to when they get on set with us. If you if you've seen a movie, particularly a feature of ours, and then you get on set with us, I think people are expecting more, maybe like more people standing around, like slates and directors' chairs and walkie talkies and all that shit that yeah. we don't use. Um, it's very we still operate very very simply, so uh, we are very involved with our actors and drive them places and feed them and hold their stuff while they're on set or while they're on camera. There isn't any extra people standing around. We don't have a big ca uh, crew around. Um, everything's very well prepared in advance. So uh, Paul and I always know what's happening on set. We're never just making stuff up on the fly. That's just not how we operate. Um, we're very conscientious about people's time. Like I said, we're independent and sometimes people, well, majority of time people are doing things for us for free. Right. Just for the fun of being a part of a film. So if people are gracious enough to give you their free time, don't fucking waste their time by being inefficient and unprepared. It's so rude. I think it is. So if you want to get people to do stuff for you for free, then like be courteous, you know, be prepared, have your stuff ready to go. And uh, we try to do that as much as possible so that we could get people in, have them do their stuff, have a lot of fun, they can leave and that's it. We don't want things to drag out forever and people feel like, I never want anyone to feel like they regret wasting their time with us. So I always want people to feel like, yeah, that was fun. They, they delivered on what they said they were going to do, which is make a film. It was very prepared. We had fun. It was a great time. And that's that. Yeah. And I want to dive deeper into our process, um, the dynamic of having a, a, a man and a woman making a film together. Um, also, the fact that we were um, romantically linked together. Is that the right word? <laughs> romantically linked. I guess. I guess. No, I just mean like, how do you say it? I'm not sure how to say it. <laughs> uh, uh, husband and wife. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that dynamic, uh, the dynamic between a male and a female uh, filmmaking team. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, that is also something I want to dive deeper into uh, in, in, in the future projects, our future podcasts. Yes, being a woman, women in a film. woman's sensibility, a woman's viewpoint, a woman's touch, uh, being all that. that a woman entails. in a typically boys club. Right. So I do want to touch on that in later uh, episodes. Uh, but that was our first episode. I uh, just wanted to introduce ourselves. And, and now you know. Now Paul's you know a big-time monster horror fan, and I'm a My Little Pony uh, girly girl. So Right. And but both of us together. We're AMP Productions. <laughs> we're bringing you a cool, beautiful slasher, Streets right. of Vengeance, and yeah. Slash Lorette Party. <laughs> yeah. Again, uh, our two individualistic, our unique perspectives, bringing them together is what makes our film stand out. Um, I wanted to touch on that. If I didn't touch on it enough, um, we'll go deeper into it in a later podcast. But yeah. basically, I was trying. That's where we're trying to get a point. The point across is yeah. that our films are made um, because both of us have our own backgrounds and our own uh, upbringing um, that makes our horror films or any other films uh, really just uh, unique and have a different touch to them. At least that's how I feel. Me too. Um, and that's I think is our strength. And added that, uh, added in addition to that, uh, the people that we work with, uh, whether it's crew or cast, you know, the people that we bring on, we always look for enthusiastic people. Um, some of them will be on future podcasts. We'll be bringing them here to talk to them and interview them and just shoot the shit. Um, 
with them so you get to know them a lot more because a lot of, the, of people out there have become big fans of our actors as well. Yeah, uh, that's which cool. Which is an awesome uh, side effect. It's a weird reality. Definitely. It's definitely weird. It's it's weird for, for us to have fans internationally, uh, you know, people from France and Germany just and Spain. Just the fact that you said we have fans we have right fans, now yeah. is weird Not just to in me. America or just like... My mom and I will have mom. you know, it's not our parents. No, they're like the last ones. They're the last on people the that. <laughs> they came late. Y'all was late. This dude from Germany was down with us from the beginning. Where yeah. Where you, mom? Yeah, we are fans joking, from Florida. Shout out Florida. I don't yeah, know right. why we have so many people in Florida that like us, but yeah. shout out to Florida. Shout out to Florida. Shout out to New York. Georgia. Rest of California. Ohio. Georgia, for sure. Uh, yeah, you know, everybody that, that just has been with it's us weird you know thank you from internet the beginning or from streets of vengeance wherever wherever point you know, time you came um you found stumbled upon us um but you know we're here uh to talk about all that so yeah. if you're a filmmaker you want to make get our work filmmaking, for you oh uh, yeah we'll be here to give you our experiences maybe you can learn something um like i said we'll be talking more about our films uh what makes our film stand out uh, how we pro how we go about uh making our films our process Maybe it's something that could help you out. Um, so, yeah, we'll be uh, seeing you guys real soon. We could make some more podcasts and exactly. get some guests on our show. We'll have Drew Marvick on our show. Actually, yeah. we already did record We talked with him to him already. already. So, we'll be releasing that pretty soon. Um, shout out Drew. Yeah, shout out to Drew. We got to talk with him about just talking shop, making films. So, that oh one was really God. interesting. It's like two hours. I know. Minutes, I think though. he was probably like, Dear Lord. We did it real late night. After what the damn hell? How do you have so many questions? Yeah, so we were, <laughs> was going hard on that one. <laughs> I think he was about to kick us out. It was like almost three in the morning. Yeah, I need y'all to get out. You know? And he's like, I need to sleep. I, I have to take a flight tomorrow. Yeah, no, exactly. just kidding. He's super cool. He no, would no, never no, do that. Yeah, it was, it was cool. So we'll be <laughs> releasing that pretty soon. And then, like I said, we'll be getting back to you more with some filmmaking stuff. And if you have any questions for us, of course, email us. Send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram. Something yeah. you, want us, you want us to touch on that we you can know, definitely go, more into. go deeper into whatever you want to know. But we'll be telling you guys everything. Our version. Definitely. But if you don't send us anything, we're just going to talk about whatever oh, we I'm want to talk about, about it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, fuck that. I'm going to say it. So Paul's like allowed it to or say not, We're coming back. This is probably the most you've ever heard Paul speak. Maybe. Maybe. Well, he can't shut me up now. So I know. Got a lot of shit to say. Oh, don't get me started. Don't get him started. Film community. The indie uh, film Don't darlings. even say the word film community. There's a the film words community. film community. I see you all, man. <sighs> I have a lot to say about that. I'll see you guys. All right. Anyway. We better get out of here. Thanks for joining us for our first episode of the AMP podcast. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so we'll we'll see y'all next time. Love you guys. Love y'all. Peace.